This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. You can learn the science behind great marketing with bite-sized 20-minute episodes packed with practical advice from world-class marketers and behavioral scientists. And it's not always about marketing. Great episode recently, you learned the surprising truths about and tips for beating stress and anxiety. Sounds like a great program, doesn't it? Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz. My guest today is Robert Glazer. He is the founder and chairman of the board of Acceleration Partners, a global partner marketing agency and the recipient of numerous industry and company culture awards, including Glassdoor's Employees' Choice Awards two years in a row. He's the author of the inspirational newsletter Friday Forward and the number one Wall Street Journal USA Today and international bestselling author of five books. I think you've been on for Elevate for Friday Forward. We're going to talk about his latest book, Elevate Your Team. Empower your team to reach their full potential and build a business that builds leaders. So, Robert, welcome back to the show. Thanks, John. Good to see you again. And the dog barked on cue. Yeah, that was dog, perfect. Right, 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 right on cue. Yeah. <laughs> the dog is happy to, that you're back on as well. <laughs> and he didn't even hear you say hello. I think so, you saw the mailman. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so would you characterize this as sort of the new generation of leadership, you know, books or new, you know, leadership training? I mean, that it's kind of out with the old uh, sort of hierarchical leadership. Yeah. Yeah. I think I talked a little bit about a new leadership playbook. I think this transition has been happening for some time. I think it's right. been masked the last couple of years with sort of high growth, low interest rate, you know, super stimulus kind of company unicorn, but command and control died in the military uh, a long time ago. And now with the societal level of burnout that we're seeing, I just don't see how the old playbook is going to work for building an organization that, that requires constantly swapping people out <laughs> going forward. Well, and I mean, a couple of dynamics, of course, that make the news every day. People are struggling to find people, period. People are yeah. leaving jobs that are not fulfilling because the last couple of years haven't been very fulfilling in some cases. And so, I mean, do changes like that in the workplace that are happening right now, I mean, is that something that you see as a trend going forward or is that really this little bubble that we're in for a few years? We've had a lot of ups and downs, you know, yeah. power dynamic between employer and employer. And it depends on what industry you're in, right? If you're in hospitality or travel or whatever, you have all the power in the world. If you're in digital marketing and e-commerce right now, it's not pretty. Yeah. So you probably don't want to quiet quit. But I just think we're missing, I think we're missing the opportunity to use businesses as a way to grow human beings, grow them as leaders and you know, talk about this concept of capacity building, but, you know, work on things that help improve people both in the business, outside the business. And I, you know, I'm very sort of, I, there, there's camps, right? There's the, oh, results. And then people like, I, I'm in the middle. Like, I, I think you should really try to take care of and grow your people, but also you need results. You need performance and you can't look, you know, the other way at those things. And a lot of those cases, that's someone who's just doing something that they shouldn't be doing or is doing the wrong thing and you're not helping them either. So, think that with work from home and all these changes, I just don't, 
I don't, I've always said like, I don't think you like, imagine the person who wakes up at home and is super groggy and tired and bad with money and sucks at prioritization. And they just kind of show up as a different person at work five minutes later. I don't think that's the case. So I think it's like, you're going to, if you want to work on, if you want to have people be better at prioritization and time management and their health and kind of have energy and doing a lot of these things, like that actually kind of needs to be a holistic approach. When you start talking about a holistic, I was going to ask you about remote because obviously that's changed, yeah. you know, everybody's leadership, you know, it's like, I don't ever see my team now, right? Yeah. You know, how do I lead them? But how, how central is the idea of building trust first? I can envision somebody reading your book and going, this is what we're going to do, but we've never been that you know, yeah. before. I mean, so how essential, if I'm going to actually go to Robert and say, I'm going to help you achieve all of your dreams, both in work and outside of work. And, you know, it's like, what, yeah. <laughs> you know, how essential is it to build trust first? I, like it, I talk about this a lot. I see way too many leaders manage to the exception. <laughs> they, yeah. You know, if something's going to happen 99 out of 100 times, like harping on the one that it went in one direction is actually a terrible thing to do. Like, right. don't make something goes a certain way 90% of the time, like, make that decision all the time. And don't worry about the 10%. So I'm a big believer in you give trust first. But like what once trust is broken, it cannot be repaired. So, mm -hmm. so I think a lot of people point out to the one person who abused something or otherwise, but if that's your default approach is not to trust all of your people because of one person that acted in a way, like it kind of is a really bad assumption, but I, so, so I think it's better to set a threshold, particularly in a remote or otherwise that like, look, we trust you and we expect you to act like an adult, but you know, when we find out you were working two jobs or you find out you abused that trust, it's hard to get that back. Yeah. I know the answer to this, but I want to hear how you answer this. <laughs> you know, how key, because one of the underpinnings of this is that we're going to help others succeed. Like we're going to lift them up. Whereas a lot of people are like, these people are here to help me succeed. So, yeah. you know, how important is it to check that egos to gain a level of self-awareness that you're doing that, you know, before you can even start down this path? Yeah, I think people people look at these things incongruously and they're not for example like the 80 20 rule has never been overcome you know that i've ever seen yeah. and you got a lot of leaders getting a lot of people spinning wheels and working on stuff in crazy hours that just doesn't matter and isn't getting results so it i'm not sure that's good for the company it's good for the leader it's good for the employee versus if you could you know i have a whole chapter on getting more outcome oriented you know with yeah, the business yeah. and the results what are we trying to get to what does good look like like we're not going to focus on a million things we're going to focus on those things and there's the accountability and the performance piece and that also maybe makes it so that people don't need to work 100 hours a week or aren't getting emails at you know 11 p.m at night so a lot of these things really truly are, I wish there was a better word, but they are vicarious or win-win in that what's good for the business is good for the employee. I mean, the 80-20 rule would tell you that, you know, most organizations today, 80% of what they're doing is only getting 20% of the right outcomes. Would you say that the things you talk about, this approach, this mentality, this mindset is something that you find in, inherent in you that it came natural to you as a way to build this business or was this sort of hard one, you know, because you went out and said, well, here's how everybody else builds a business. And I guess that's how you do it. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I looked at a lot of the things that were going on out there and they didn't make sense. And I wanted to build a type of business that I was excited to to work in. And I've done my core values. I've done the wire work. Like I, my is very much around finding a better way and share it. So it's like, how do we make people better? How do we make the business better? How do we grow that? So, so and then we just really saw how that worked. Now, again, we are high accountability, high performance have grown 30% a year for almost a decade, right? It's not... I think sometimes when people talk about businesses that <laughs> help people right. and care about people and all that, you know, that there's this kumbaya family thing yeah. and you haven't grown revenue in a decade. I mean, we've been, we've grown 4,000% in, in 10 years. So I, I just didn't want to build a growth business that required constantly changing the people. So the question was, how do we grow the people and have that be the impetus for growing the business, not artificially grow the business and then... <laughs> drag people along. And most of our leaders have, and look, I, this was a decision five years ago. I said, if you were trying to do this now, if you were trying to just grow by telling people to grind it out in 89 hours a week, they're so burnt out that I just don't think you'll have any employees. And in this whole world, you're either going to have the freelance mercenary for rent people, or you're going to yeah. have one of people that want to be at your company. And there's something about being at your company that and it, particularly if they're working from home, that it ties together and it helps them, you know, get what they're looking for in some ways. But none of these things are, you know, helping people like meet their personal goals should directly correlate to helping the organization reach its goals. Yeah. Some of them should be exclusive of each other. Are you an agency owner, consultant, or coach that works with business owners? Then I want to talk to you about adding a new revenue stream to your business that will completely change how you work with clients. For the first time ever, you can license and use the duct tape marketing system and methodology in your business through an upcoming three-day virtual workshop. Give us three days and you'll walk away with a complete system that changes how you think about your agency's growth. The duct tape marketing system is a turnkey set of processes for installing a marketing system that starts with strategy and moves to long-term retainer implementation engagements. We've developed this system by successfully working with thousands of businesses. Now you can bring it to your agency and benefit from all the tools, templates, systems, and processes we've developed. To find out when our next workshop is being held, visit dtm.world workshop. That's dtm.world workshop. You have for many years now written a newsletter you call Friday Forward. It came out on Fridays. You sent it across. Typically, it was a almost an internal comms Started piece <laughs> and, and then eventually grew to following, grew to a book. How much of what you, how you think about elevating your team came from what you learned writing that? A, a lot of it. I'm like a framework person. And so yeah. I realized, and when I originally wrote the book, I went to write a compilation book and agent was like, no one likes a compilation book. Like, what is it? What have you done? What are the stories? And I went back and looked at all the pattern analysis and the categories. And that's where I came up with this whole capacity building construct that was the premise of both elevate and elevate your team. And I was like, huh, this is the theme. This is what we've, this is what I've been doing personally. This is what we've been doing around training. We've been helping people with spiritual capacity, intellectual, physical, and emotional. Yeah. Like it just sort of the pattern started to reveal itself. And when I was able to kind of lay out the framework, then I could more say, Hey, look, this is, you know, if I went through the, tr the checklist, it's like, that's how we were training and developing people. Yeah. It's 
it was really encouraging to hear you talk about you went back and discovered, you know, that you had this framework because I, the reason I asked the question the way I asked is because I think a lot of people underestimate how much having a regular writing practice, how much you learn from have about yourself, about, you know, yeah. the world, because you have to pay attention to put that out there. And I think just doing that is actually and again, people should subscribe to Friday Forward because you're going to see it's a different kind of newsletter. But I think that it, you know, that's one of the essential elements, right? Is I mean, because consistently writing about those things, you know, at some point people had to say, I guess he means it. Yeah. And look, the, I think there's a, you probably feel this way. I know a lot of, I think there's probably a misperception that when I write something, like I had it all figured out. It's actually the topic. It's like, huh, I've been thinking about this topic for a while and now I'm gonna have to spend two hours and like right. come up with an opinion on it. So sometimes it really provides that clarification. Like I said, I like frameworks. So yeah. my writing is sort of about how do you put a concept or an idea in a framework that then you can do something with it. You know, when you, like we read a book you know, and you're like, oh, I've known about this for a while, but just the way that John put it together, like now I get it and it clicks and I know how to do something with it. Well, I often, you know, somebody on my team will say, you know, I'd like to learn more about Google ads. And I said, oh, great. Two weeks from today, you're going to teach a class on it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they immediately learn a whole lot more than I had. I like shared, you know, what I knew about it. So I, I just think there's a lot to that. Does everybody, does everybody need in an organization, do you view everybody is now you have a professional organization, you have very high level, you have leadership folks, naturally, yeah. you know, titled leadership folks. Do you think everybody in an organization needs to be looked at as a leader? No. In fact, you know, there is a whole section on this. I think one of the, you know, the premise first is, look, give everyone the best chance to be successful in their organization. Yeah. But then you also need to be objective about what the organization needs and what people's skill sets are and what they're good at. And a lot of people, you know, with this word, a lot of people, frankly, want to be good individual contributors, right? I think the biggest mistake historically an organization makes, right? They promote the sales person into a sales manager when they just want right. to sell and make commission or the engineer into an engineering manager. Generally, I, some people aren't really interested in managing and leading. They want to produce and they want to deliver and you shouldn't cap their upside, but they are, you know, they get their good feelings from, you know, whatever they did personally. A leader, when you become a leader, you need to switch your reward center from what it is that you did versus what it is that your team did. And some people just aren't interested in that. And yeah, yeah. because we want them to move up the org chart and pay more money, like like we you know put them in charge of teams. And frankly, if you got a man or a woman that can sell ten million a year, like don't cap their commission, like let them keep selling. Don't make them manage salespeople if that's not what they want to do. They, if they want to be a rainmaker, let them be a rainmaker. Yeah. And I think the real key that you're saying is work as hard as you can to get people in the right spot, right spot Correct. for them, right? Doing the right things because they'll yeah. thrive. But look, help them build their capacity, help them learn all this stuff. Yeah. One of the things they may learn is that they don't do yeah. some pre-leadership stuff that I don't like leadership. I like selling, delivering, you know, I like getting all the credit myself. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. I think if people then can be honest with themselves, if you can have that dialogue and the organization can be honest with them, you know, we had someone years ago who just, you know, was in a leadership role. We reversed them out of that leadership role and put them in a contributor role because we were like, look, you don't like your leading your team. They don't like having you as a leader. You like to just do stuff and get credit for it. Like, we, here's a contributor role that you could be good at. Yeah. 
Well, and the key there too is that, you know, every organization needs somebody who geeks out on Google Analytics, right? Or whatever yeah. it is. I mean, you need that. Right. It wants to be the best analytics person, <laughs> right. the best engineer, the best right. salesperson, right? The, <laughs> there, there's not a manager of Google Analytics. I think that's fine. So yeah. Yeah. I think th for that reason too, I think you need to, you, you might have training, you might, you know, for young up and coming leaders, but you also need to give them an escape, you know, route too, if they start down that process and realize it's not the right thing. It's become very trendy to talk about leaders needing to be coaches and coaching their teams. You know, where do you fall on that idea? Yeah, look, I, a leader's job is to make, I think, the sum of the parts greater than the whole, yeah. right? And so they should be talking to their team, increasingly not telling them what to do, but finding out where their blockers are, what they need, discussing problems with them, not solving the problems, but discussing the problems, talking about resources. So yeah, I think the coach mentor, you know, is there, I mean, that, to me, that's the difference between a leader and a manager. A manager mm -hmm. just takes the sum of the parts and tells people what to do and moves the chips on the board. Like, you know, a leader is trying to get something that is more than the sum of the parts. And so I think that is the modern analogy of, you know, people talk about my friend, Jamon McCormick, you know, wrote a book like Modern Leadership, that the modern leaders on the bottom of the org chart, like, hey, I work for my team and how do I make you better, get out of your way, remove obstacles? Again, that true leader who sees their success as how well their team does, not how well they do. And by the way, this is a huge thing that most organizations miss. I would say 80 to 90% of organizations do not rate their managers as managers. They rate them based on their contribution. So they're totally rewarding the wrong thing. If you have a leader, someone who manages two, three, four, five people, the number one thing that you need to be rating them on is how good of a leader they are. <laughs> if you yeah. rate them on their production, then yeah. you're, then, you know, if their teams, if it's a sales leader and the team is all meeting their goals, but they all hate them or her and they're, you know, they're all looking for a job and one person's way ahead of their quota and isn't getting promoted and one's under their quota and is not getting fired, but they're all, like, Again, the results mask that person is not doing their job as a leader. Yeah. So we started talking about this before I hit record. And I want to loop back to it. You know, part of the subtitle, empower your team to reach their full potential. If you have one on your team reaching or at least feeling like they're moving towards their full potential, what kind of marketing or brand impact do you suppose that has for an organization? Yeah. Look, I think there are fundamentally three types of organizations. I talk about this in the book. The first is a st star stifling. And I worked at one of these outside of school. Like this is where like, me you know, you know, mediocrity just tried to stay in place and like good talent left as fast as they could. It was like, you know, there was a whole group of people who just were protecting their job and knew the politics and otherwise. So like, while that organization is bankrupt, like everyone I worked with is doing an amazing thing. Like it was one of my first <laughs> jobs out of college. So the second is catch and release, right? I think these are the organizations that develop people and when they don't have an opportunity or there's two people going for one job, they're actually happy to help that person and you know, like seeing them go somewhere else and be successful. Patty McCord used to say, we love to see people go be from Netflix. And I think that's really powerful, the brand and pretty awesome. The hardest one and the one that I think you can't be all the time is sort of a true meritocracy, an organization that is willing to put the best person on the field you know, at any time. And, you know, my historical example from this in the book is that in 2001, right, the, the Patriots had just signed Drew Bledsoe for $103 million. I think Bill Belichick is the best example historically of this. It doesn't matter what you're paid, where you're drafted. Otherwise, whoever is performing best will get the role. And Bledsoe got hurt. And when he 
you know, the sixth round quarterback, skinny kid that, you know, no one knew Belichick left him in there. And when the quarterback came back, he said, he's playing really well. I'm not going to take him out. I mean, you're talking about, he doesn't make that decision. And Tom Brady's not the best player of all time. Very few managers, I think, are willing to make that decision or take someone and say, look, this person is objectively higher achieving and better than other. We are going to push them forward. So I think we're all organizations actually are all flavors of those at time to time. But if you want to build a great brand as an organization, one where people can move up on their own merit or the organization supports them to go take better roles elsewhere, like I think that those are places that people want to work. Speaking with Robert Glazer, he's the author of Elevate Your Team. So Robert, you want to invite people where they might connect with you, learn more about your work, but obviously also pick up a copy of the book. Yeah, it's all at robertglazer.com. You can find my podcast there, book and Friday Forward, and would love to, to have everyone join. Awesome. Well, thanks again for stopping by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, and hopefully we'll run into you again soon one of these days out there on the road. Thanks, John. Hey, and one final thing before you go, you know how I talk about marketing strategy, strategy before tactics. Well, sometimes it can be hard to understand where you stand in that, what needs to be done with regard to creating a marketing strategy. So we created a free tool for you. It's called the Marketing Strategy Assessment. You can find it at marketingassessment.co, not .com, .co. Check out our free marketing assessment and learn where you are with your strategy today. That's just marketingassessment.co. I'd love to chat with you about the results that you get. 